Welcome to the Pregnancy Help Podcast. I'm Christine Grimmett. I'm joined today by Beth Deemer. She's the Director of Affiliate Services at Herpet International and Haley Limo, who is the founder and president of Least of These Philanthropy and also a fundraising consultant with us here at Heartbeat Academy. Um, she writes articles. She does training through Heartbeat Academy. Now, Academy has hundreds of training options available on a variety of topics related to the work of the pregnancy help movement. And some of those are work at your own pace course modules, and some of those are live online courses. So if you'd like to learn more about those options, head over to heartbeatservices.org slash academy for more. So Beth and Haley, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be chatting about fundraising as we head close to the end of 2023 and into the new year. So Beth, I'll turn things over to you. Hey, Christine. Thank you so much. Hey, Haley, what a fun uh, opportunity to have you with us in uh, Pregnancy Help podcast. We interact in so many other places, but I think this is a first for you to be on the podcast. Is that right? Yes. Thank you guys so much for bringing me on. I'm always ready to talk anything fundraising, so definitely excited. I know you are, and that's a good thing because many of our affiliates benefit from it. So let's let's start there. Let's help them, if in case they don't know, get familiar with your background, your work in pregnancy help, and your work since then. Why don't you fill us in? Yeah, so I have been in fundraising for over a decade now. I um, kind of got my start as a major gift officer up in the D.C. area, was on a very high capacity team there, um, did that for a long time. And then I left to become the CEO of one of the Heartbeat uh affiliate pregnancy centers up in Northern Virginia and did that for a while. And while I was there, we really um, were able to build a major gift program, start to meet with our donors. We tripled our fundraising in about 18 months from when I came to kind of when I left. And so um, kind of seeing that success really gave me a drive to want to help a lot of other um, faith-based nonprofits and just the pregnancy help center um, movement there. And so since then, I started my own consulting firm. I worked exclusively with faith-based groups. Most are pro-life. A lot are um, pregnancy centers across the United States. Um, and my goal there is just to help everyone um, do fundraising better and build relationships with their donors and kind of get those major gifts. So I've been doing that for the past few years and absolutely love it. But I love being connected with Heartbeat. Um, like you guys had mentioned, I'm a faculty member. I write articles monthly for the ATLC newsletter, love to go to conferences and speak, and then as well as teaching through the academy. So we actually have a finding and fostering major gifts course starting this Wednesday. Um, so we're excited about that. Yeah, and we're excited too, because you bring all of that incredible experience and tremendous wealth of knowledge with you as you interact with our affiliates. Uh, that's why we were so blessed to recruit you to be part of that uh, academy faculty in the area of advancement and development. And a big part of that role is, like you mentioned, writing for ATLC. ATLC, for those who may not be familiar, is our advancement trends in the leadership community focusing in on development and marketing, to which Haley is a regular contributor. And if you are not subscribed to that publication, we would highly advocate that you do so. Uh, she brings her voice every month along with all of, again, her experience and her knowledge. And uh, that's available to you as a Heartbeat affiliate to subscribe. And so Christine maybe can give us some links and things uh, along with uh, the podcast later on. But Haley, you know, let's jump right in here. It's been an interesting year in the world of development. 
2023 um, for a lot of reasons. You know, we have things going on in the economy. Uh, we have our post-row world that we're all adapting to and lots of other things happening as well. And so I know that's had its effects on the development world. You want to comment on that for just a minute? Yeah, I think it's been definitely a tougher environment for fundraising. I, especially coming out of banquet season, I've talked with a lot of clients and a lot of people that I work with. And I know not many people are meeting their fundraising goals when it comes to their galas. And so I find that that has been really hard for a lot of people this fall. And so I know a lot of centers and organizations are really digging into what can they do to meet those goals through their funding goals through the end of the year. So Definitely kind of seeing a dip in fundraising, I think, this year, um, which, of course, you know, fundraising ebbs and flows. Um, so not to be too worried about. But I think the most important thing is to have many buckets where you are raising money from. So making sure you have diversified streams of income and you guys have a plan for if one bucket doesn't fill up all the way like your gala, then you have a few other buckets that, you know, hopefully will get there as well to kind of get you through the end of the year. So, yeah, that, but that is a trend I'm seeing and it can be really discouraging. So. Yeah, we have been um, paying a little bit of attention here at Heartbeat to the national trends about giving. Uh, and there are definitely some factors that are coming into play. I think we are experiencing a little bit of challenge and hurdle uh, in this year. And it's interesting that you mentioned about galas. I was with one of our affiliates down in your neck of the woods in Texas uh, not too long ago, and they were commenting on they're still doing okay with their giving, actually doing really well with their giving from their gala, but the cost of putting the gala on has far exceeded from where they started. And so they're having to look at and evaluate, should we stay in the same venue, right? Or, or do we need to adjust our plan uh, because it's costing us so much more to do this event? Yeah, I'm seeing that trend too. Um, and I was actually, I know we were kind of having this conversation recently with another one of the writers from ATLC, um, Brian Gonzalez, and we were talking about, you know, fundraising overhead and how galas and those different events are getting more expensive. And so, yeah, it's, um, that's definitely a trend I am seeing. And so I think definitely as, um, as, organizations are looking towards next year, I think they really need to keep those overhead percentages in mind when they're looking at what it costs to put on their gala, you know, what it costs to run their center and um, really try to keep those numbers in check. I talked to a lot of pregnancy uh, center directors will say, well, I got our whole gala sponsored. And so anything we raise at the gala, you know, it's just money in our pockets. But um you know, that those costs of the gala is still considered overhead, which I think some people forget because they think of it as sponsored. And so it's going on your 990 as a huge expense. And so that is cutting into, you know, a huge part of your fundraising overhead um, and your administrative. And so I think that's just something for people to keep in mind um, as they're looking towards next year. So, yeah, it's a really good um, reminder, Haley. You know, we have worked through this year um, two cycles of a grant that we facilitate for a donor that remains anonymous. And a big part of that grant process has been uh, helping centers to hone in on their overhead expenses as opposed to their program expenses. Um, and that is something for sure that donors are paying attention to and looking at. And so even though, like you said, hey, we have a sponsor to cover this, it's still 
uh, they're still going to take a hit on it when it comes to what they have to report on the 990 and what major donors and foundations are definitely looking at. So great reminder. So here we are at this point in time. I can't believe it's the end of October, honestly, but uh, this is where we're at. And I know in the development world and in the development calendar, we're getting uh, and are really have arrived in the uh, year in giving space. <laughs> and so I know you talk a lot and do a really great job at helping centers to plan ahead. And that's, um, you know, really helpful information. And for some of our affiliates, it's doable. Those who have designated development folks, those who really can put time and energy toward a development plan. And then you have the other side of the spectrum, which is we're just running, you know, wide open with our hair on fire, mm -hmm. hoping to raise money. And we don't we ha don't really have a development plan. Yeah. And so let's, I want to talk about both of those scenarios. Um, and, and what can happen between now and the end of the year when it comes to a holiday season and year-end giving. So for those who have the development plan and who have started planning long before the end of October, uh, any helpful ideas or tips or, hey, you might want to pay attention to this uh, to help them to get to the end of the year? Yeah, that's, those are some really good questions. So something that I always say just in general, whether you have a giving plan and whether you have a development team or a plan in place or whether you don't, really donors are really going to check out um, for meeting with development officers wanting to read proposals pretty much before Thanksgiving. So I don't know when this podcast is exactly coming out and I don't want to make people feel anxious, but I know I've been posting about this and, and wrote about this recently in ATLC, but the time really is running out to make asks and to raise money um, for this year. I know a lot of people say, well, end of the year giving is a great time for you know money to come in and things. And that is true. A lot of times the seeds that you sow in January, February, March, we see come to fruition and we get to reap that in November, December. But if you haven't sown any seeds earlier in the year, if you haven't talked to your donors, if you haven't met with them, you know, you may not reap that reward when it comes to the end of the year. And yes, a lot of donors do like to send their end of the year gifts, um, but they've kind of already made those decisions on who they're going to give to. They've already figured out how much they need to give, you know, out of their donor advised fund or their IRA or their family trust. And so those giving decisions are kind of made, I would even say long before Thanksgiving. So I always tell um, people, you know, whether you have a development plan or not, really, you should be done making giving asks. You should be done making your asks by Thanksgiving um, because people really are not going to be susceptible or they're not going to be ready to listen to an ask after Thanksgiving. I mean, and to be honest, you know, as development officers and development people, I think we need a break as well. And so that's why I always try to say, like, push it hard till Thanksgiving and then you're going to need a break from Thanksgiving to Christmas because guess what's happened on January 1st? The calendar resets. Um, the fundraising budget, you know, goes back to zero and you have to do it all over again. And so I think, you know, it's twofold to kind of give your donors a rest and then also for you. And I really feel like in the holiday season, um, when we're meeting with donors, if you happen to get in front of your donors, when you're sending out donor communication, it should really be heavy on the thanking at this time of year and not on the asking. So that would be the advice kind of, I would give to people in both camps, you know, like, you know, if you, um, you only really have a few more weeks to get in front of those donors to make those major gift asks. And then everything after Thanksgiving needs to be heavy on the thanking. So yeah, that would be kind of uh, definitely my advice. And I know I kind of mentioned this in the recent ATLC um, article, but you know, 
theoretically, if you do have a development team, they're going to be the ones that are going to be looking at your major donors. They're going to be seeing who's about to be lapped. They should be the ones that should be getting out there and making those meetings, doing those proposals. But if you don't, so if you're a solo um, executive director who's like both executive director and development director, and you maybe haven't thought this strategically before, I feel like there's a few easy things that you could do, you know, going into your database um, and trying to find maybe that one, two, or three big donors that you know usually give that haven't given yet this year. I'm seeing a huge trend with a lot of organizations with huge numbers of lapsed donors this year, um, just because I think it has been a hard year. So believe me, you probably have some big lapsed donors. So trying to find one, two, or three of those major gift lapsed donors and then trying to get in front of them through the end of the year. So you know, for those people that feel like they need to close that gap quickly, um, I wouldn't bite off more than you can chew at this point and just really try to get in front of some of those big fish before Thanksgiving. So great advice, Haley, and kind of all around uh, all of the possibilities. I know, you know, for some of our smaller centers that don't have designated development folks and they really don't have a development plan in place. They do at least have some outlets uh, in the next maybe couple of weeks, like a newsletter or a Christmas card mailing or a year end letter uh, to be able to do this kind of thing. Not so much for major donors, because I agree, those folks have their giving plan. They know what they're going to do. Uh, that ship has kind of almost sailed at this point. But uh, with other mid-level donors and those who maybe came in through an event and haven't really become a regular donor yet, there is this little window of appeal still there. Any tips uh, on what's best in messaging to reach those folks for a year-end gift yet in 2023? Yeah, I would definitely want to, if you're going to send anything out and make any type of ask, I would try to make it as meaningful as possible. So I would try to look at your budget either a need you have this year that you haven't met yet or a need that you know you're going to have next year that you need to start meeting. And I would be specific in your ask, even to those mid-level donors. And so, you know, I kind of think it's, um, you know, trying to stay away from those generic asks as much as possible, because if we just ask a donor, please give and you will do X, Y, Z at our pregnancy center. But, you know, there's not really a specific action behind it, it can be hard for people to really visualize what exactly their dollars are doing. So if you can say, hey, you know, we, let's say need an ultrasound machine next year. And so we are trying to raise $20,000, $30,000, whatever the number is, through the end of the year, we are specifically raising money right now for our medical fund and it will help in this way and then have a story that might be connected to that of how someone has been impacted by that specific thing in the past. I think that can be really helpful instead of just being so generic and saying, you know, your gifts help women choose life and all that. And that's great, obviously. Um, and we want to put that there, but that's more of just kind of your mission statement along with what their gifts does. So if you can get more specific and drill down a little more, and I really feel like when we are specific with our donors and we kind of let them in on what's going on in our organizations and let them in on our needs, then they're more excited to meet them. I mean, even asking and writing about the need for, you know, marketing services to market to those women to come into your center and why you need a marketing budget because of, you know, the onslaught of Google and pregnancy centers with Google ad services and different things like that. I even think and ask towards something like that is really compelling for a donor because it really helps them feel like they're going to be a part of the solution, uh, like a specific solution and not just a general solution to what you're doing overall, if that makes sense. So that's probably 
that's like a road I tell a lot of people to take is find find something in your niche that's not just general funding <laughs> that needs to be met and kind of go there. Yeah, that's a really good suggestion. It also makes me think about in my early on development 101 training as an executive director, learning about the fact that there are what we would call emotional givers, right? And I remember hearing stories about uh, people connecting through a video or through uh, something that they read, and they're just so emotionally um just challenged by our mission, by what we do and the need that's out there, that it prompts them to give a gift. And often that can happen with an emotional giver around a holiday period. It really works to our advantage, right? When they're so thankful for what they've been blessed with and they want to help others around Thanksgiving or the same way at Christmas. And I know one way uh, that's very effective to reach that emotional donor is through good client stories. Um, Help me and help our listeners understand how we tie those things into our giving plan. Yeah, so I like to talk about doing something um, with all my clients. I really encourage them to start something what I call a story box. And so I kind of feel like as executive directors and development directors, because, you know, I've been in both places. Um, I've always been on the executive side, the development side. I've never really been on the program side. So the actual person you know, I used to meet with clients when we were in a pinch, but it wasn't what I was doing on a daily basis. And in any nonprofit I'm in, there's always the two sides, right, to an organization, the people that do the work that you're funding and the people that oversee the work and that fund the work. And there's kind of that divide there. So I think something we really need to do to make sure that we have good um, funding requests, good appeals, good stories is make sure that we tie those two together really well. And so something that I have found that helps is a story box. And so what I encourage a lot of my clients and anyone to do is every month, try to fill that story box with one story um, that has some type of impact that has happened on the client side and that you can then use and take and use in your thank yous and your thank you notes and your meetings and your appeals and different things like that throughout the year with your donors. So I know some centers that do this really well. And I know some centers that would love to do this really well. So I would really encourage, um, you know, November is a perfect time to start because I'm sure you've had some great, amazing stories of impact of women that chose life, maybe a abortion pill reversal or, you know, anything that really has gone on this year, something very specific and, you know, put, start your story back now and put that in there. And I always encourage to have the client people write it up because they're the ones that were actually the people that met with those clients and that really saw that impact. And so a lot of times the executive director may not be in that, you know, ultrasound room or may not be in that client room. And so having that client person kind of having it, that be their responsibility once a month is kind of giving you a story and then you can then take it and use it in all of your materials. Now, of course you have to be careful with name changes and HIPAA compliance and different things like that. And I often see a lot of centers that are almost scared to put specific stories in. And so they kind of use that fear as an excuse, but you know, I would really encourage you guys to um, go ahead and do that anyway, and just make sure that you, um, you know, take out any identifying information, take out any names if possible, um, of course, and go ahead and use that. And don't let that fear stop you from using those stories. Cause yeah, those stories are really impactful and it's really helpful for me whenever I'm going in and meeting with donors to have new and fresh stories that I can talk to with my donors because they want to know what's going on. And I know I have gotten into ruts as a development professional using the same stories, the same statistics over and over again. (laughs) 
And so I really need those client people. We really need those, you know, to get those good gifts, to build those good relationships. So I always find that that is something I can task my client people with to be able to give to us. And then I love to share those stories with board members, with volunteers, with other staff members, um, because I also feel like not only does it encourage donors to give, but it really encourages the whole staff and everyone involved with the organization to see the good things that are happening. So, yeah, I would definitely say if you're not story boxing, you should definitely get on that. Yeah, I can remember um, one of the most impactful client stories that I ever watched transpire, not in something written or in a video, but actually live at one of our banquet events. Uh, We had our client give a testimony like was our normal protocol, but she shared her story about how uh, during a work event uh, where she was waiting on tables uh, she something fell out of the ceiling and hit her in the shoulder and the head. And she had medical issues because of that and found out she was pregnant at the same time. She was very concerned about medication that she was given, how it was going to affect the baby, ended up making a life decision and um, had a beautiful little boy. And she was such a, a great mother. And uh, she gave this testimony actually at our banquet and then Uh, revealed to the donors that were sitting in the audience that this happened in the exact banquet hall of this hotel that we were sitting in. And so uh, you can imagine how moved people were uh, to know that just, you know, a year and a half before that, this story took place. And so, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. The impact of those stories, whatever form they come in, All right. Hey, so we've talked about, you know, 2023, our sort of our last chance effort here at year end giving through a lot of different ways. And you've already mentioned that do it now because January 1 calendar reset, right? So Mm -hmm. thinking, thinking about 2024, uh, we have some additional interesting um, development challenges that are going to take place, right? So uh, we're still looking Mm -hmm. at some economy things, Um, But it's going to be an election year. And I know that can have some effect on development as well. Let's chat about that for a minute. Yes, it's so hard to predict what's going to happen because I feel like the past few years has uh, everything we've predicted hasn't happened. So I have no idea if it's going to be a great development year or not. I can tell you in the past, um, I have actually seen in some cases for organizations that do really good development and have really good relationships with their donors, that election years can actually be really good years for development because um, especially with, you know, elections coming up, um, you know, I'm guessing where a lot of us are working with more Republican donors. (laughs) I know not all the time, but, you know, because we've had a Democratic administration, a lot of our more conservative Republican donors are going to be very hopeful this next year, and they're going to be excited. And so I kind of find that when you are in that type of a political atmosphere and you have an election, you have a lot of hope. And so I find that sometimes giving can go up in those scenarios because people are hopeful. Of course, some people may not give as much because they may be giving more politically. Um, But generally overall, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say that necessarily having an election year means that you may not raise as much money. You might be surprised at how well you might actually do next year. Um, But But I really think I see a lot of um, organizations, you know, worked with a lot of different organizations and um, 
I always kind of see on the major gifts side that usually that doesn't waver no matter what's going on, even in the economy, because a lot of donors who are giving those major gifts, they're not really being affected by the price of gas or interest rates on homes. And so that's going to affect more of your smaller and mid-level donors. Um, and that's why you want to make sure that you're in front of those major donors. Those donors that are giving you five, 10, 15, 20, $100,000, you know, those donors that have that kind of money to give and that are that excited about what you're doing aren't going to let, you know, the economy a lot of times impact those decisions because they're at a point in their life where they're distributing. They don't need necessarily to buy a house or, you know, the price of gas doesn't really affect them or the price of groceries or different things like that that might affect us normal everyday people, you know, people who are in that high net worth category doesn't affect them as much. And so I would definitely say, um, you know, if you've really noticed you're giving going down a lot this year, then maybe you really need to tap into that those higher category of givers next year and really focus in on those major gift donors um, and build relationships with them. And, you know, I know that there has been, you know, even along the major gift side, of course, there's, you know, there's always going to be some donors that are affected by the economy. But if you build those relationships with them, you can be sure to hopefully have them choose you to give those major gifts to this year instead of other organizations. And so, um, you know, I would just really encourage people to focus on that next year and to make sure they're having those meetings um, early on as possible. They're building those relationships. And something that I love to do with donors is, of course, I think the story box aspect is really important, kind of as a general talking points to our donors. But really getting to know your donors on a personal level is very helpful. And then you can share stories and appeals and asks based on something that is meaningful to them. So, you know, if you have a donor that has themselves maybe experienced a crisis pregnancy, you know, um, kind of tying that into asking for an ultrasound machine because you know that that helped them choose life when they were in that situation. Or if you have a donor, maybe that was a single mom and really benefited from getting supplies and education from another organization, asking them to fund something along those lines. Or if you have a donor that, um, you know, has grown their family by adoption, that's really passionate to them, helping them fund something in that vein in your organization. And so that is when I find you get the biggest gifts from donors, you get the most cheerful gifts from donors, um, and that those can be the most impactful gifts um, is when you really kind of start to puzzle piece donors' needs and desires um, and wants based with what we need funded. So. Yeah, it really does all come down to relationships, uh, just like it does with our clients. You know, we often talk about how donors are our second constituency of uh, folks that we get to work with, right? And they have passions. They have convictions about where they're giving and why they're giving. And the thing to do is just offer them a place where they can connect that with what you're doing. And so that they're accomplishing their goals while helping you accomplish your goals. We know that's a, you know, a basic development um, practice, but always good to be reminded of uh, and, and realize that this is a ministry as well to our donors mm -hmm. as much as it is to our clients. All right, Haley, as we wrap things up here, any other um, tips uh, advice as we plan to move into 2024 and in just about, you know, oh my goodness, maybe six or seven weeks from now. Yeah, definitely. I think something, you know, you should do if 
you um, haven't yet is figured out two or three people to get and try to get in front of in the next few weeks and ask them for a great need that you maybe have throughout the end of the year. So that's something really important to do. Um, and then as we're really moving into December and January to really get that budget done, I see a lot of organizations that are starting their new fiscal year without a budget. And if I could encourage you guys, you should not be starting your fiscal year without an approved budget by your board, because if you don't know what you need, you don't know how much you need to raise. And if you don't know how much you need to raise, you have no idea how you're going to get there. So we really cannot let those things slide and slip by. I get that we have a lot of things going on in our centers. I get that a lot of you guys are inundated with calls, and that's important. But a budget's really important, too. So I kind of find that those administrative things that some people don't like and are not as exciting get pushed to the side, and that can be to your detriment. So get those board meetings um, scheduled, get those budgets approved, and get a fundraising plan together. Um, you know, look at how you're going to raise, how much you need to raise, and put a plan together of what donors are going to get in front of, what donors are going to ask for what needs, and try to have several buckets next year instead of just one or two, maybe have three or four of different buckets that you're working on filling. So if your gala does not do as well next year because, you know, it didn't do as well this year, well, at least you're raising two or three times as much by just meeting with donors um, on the major gift side or, you know, different things like that. So really encourage people to get on that, get, get a plan going. And something I always like to remind fundraisers is that Christ asks us to give cheerfully. And so I really feel convicted as a fundraiser is to help people give cheerfully. You know, Christ doesn't just ask us, I think, in that sense to make us cheerful, you know, for us to give cheerfully, but for us to help cultivate cheerful giving in our organization. So look at how you can do that. How can you cultivate cheerful giving? Writing more thank you notes, getting those tax receipts out on time so people can do their taxes, making sure they're accurate. Um, you know, recognizing people's gifts, going and meet with them, um, taking them to coffee, asking them how you can pray for them, connecting with them with your organization. So yeah, I would just have them keep that in mind that they need to be cultivating cheerful giving. Really good advice, Haley. And listeners, you may be sitting there thinking, where has Haley Lemo been my whole life? And how come I don't know about her? Well, now you do. And we we can remind you that there's lots of connection points with Haley as a member of our Heartbeat Academy faculty. Uh, she mentioned that she teaches classes. She has a class starting on major gifts uh, here in the next few days. Haley is often part of our conference teaching. Um, she And she's a regular contributor to ATLC. So make sure you take advantage of connecting with her. Uh, you might want to connect with her outside of the Heartbeat uh, network as well. She makes herself available for that through her consulting uh, as well. So Haley, you rock the planet, girl, and I appreciate you being with us today. Uh, thanks so much for your talk about cheerful, cheerful way in serving our affiliates and helping them to raise what they need in order to accomplish the things they're called to. So appreciate it. Thank you, guys. It's been fun. Thank you, Beth. Thanks, Haley. Really appreciate your time. It really is hard to believe we're wrapping up. We're even talking about wrapping up 2023. But if you've been to the store or the mall, you might have heard the Christmas music already. Like it's everywhere. So uh, appreciate your wisdom. For those who are panicking, thinking it is year end, we have fundraising goals to meet. Hopefully this brings a little bit of calm to that and excitement because like you said, it's, it's pretty awesome that we give people the opportunity to give to something awesome. So thank you for that. Um, of course, like Beth said, I will include links and resources in the notes as well as some highlights from the episode. And um, of course, we want you to subscribe so that you never miss a future episode. And we thank you for listening to this episode of the Pregnancy Help Podcast. 